Say that the podcast for your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. I'm switching back to the coconut water, but this one has the pineapple juice with it. It could be an explosive combination. So stay tuned. We'll see what happens there. It's an ongoing experiment. Yes. <laughs> You're witnessing science right here on the air. Also joining us, the director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. Greetings! Joining us all the way from Rockridge, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I hate to do this, guys, but we got to jump in. We have a liturgical emergency. An emergency? We have a possible trademark violation emergency. Ah. Well, then. Maybe a copyright infringement emergency. Ooh. Our friend, a uh, super fan of the show, and the creator of the Claymation Say That YouTube video, Todd Warren... Some are, some are calling that the greatest work of Western art, and who are we to argue? Yeah. It's uh, pretty impressive. Well, uh, Brother Todd uh, plays in our band here at, at Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, but he also, he'll kind of sub in for, you know, other churches need somebody to play, you know, different instruments and stuff. And he was, he was subbing in at, a, at another local church, and uh, this was, as we record this, it's, it's Palm Sunday, and of course... People aren't listening to it on Palm Sunday. They're listening to it sometime in the future. But as we recorded it, the this brother was uh, at another church, and and uh, and he said that they had like a little uh, for the kids. They had like a little thing where the kids bring the palm branches into the church and have a little procession where they kind of uh, you know remember Jesus coming into Jerusalem and children waving the palm branches and stuff. And they had on the screen like a. Uh, a video going that was like a a puppet show rendition of the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, which I know that Glenn is into the puppets, but this thing took a hard left turn that I think even Glenn is going to be offended by. Oh, boy. And that was, he said that the accompanying music to this uh, puppet video was a song (laughs) that was kind of a, it was a, a parody uh, the song was called Hosanna, obviously with the with the uh, Palm Sunday thing, but it was using all of the music and reworked lyrics from Rosanna by Toto. <laughs> uh. Toto's having a cultural moment, aren't they, folks? Thanks, Weezer. <laughs> so he said it was literally Hosanna, Hosanna. <laughs> it was really quite painful. Just don't. If this church has ever accused others of doing something sacrilegious, I think, and irreverent. We often are accused on the show of being irreverent. Sure. Right? Right. Which is certainly true. And <laughs> church people go and do things like this. Right. And I'm a little confused. Yeah. But not only confused, but inspired. Okay. Oh. Because here's the thing. Here's what we love. Here's what we know about church stuff. Uh, church people love it. Sure. Mm. It's their favorite thing. But also... um. What's popular now, you got to theme stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, you have a, like you would at a bar or a restaurant or whatever, you know, theme nights are a big thing, obviously. So right. A little change up, which we're all for, you know. We recently had a field trip night at the bridge. We had to yep. go to a second location. We figured, you know what? We're going to have fun with it. We're going to tell everybody it's just a cool thing. We're going to go see another church. Right. And, uh, you know, you shake things up occasionally. It's great. Right, right. So if we, and eight, the 80s are big right now. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Always big, because, okay. you know, uh, totally. people who had money in those decades still have the money, so we got right. 
We have to cater to every one of their whims. <laughs> a little bit of intergenerational snark for you there. Um, so here's what I'm thinking. Uh, so we got, you know, Holy Week. Right. Uh, these The people are listening to it afterwards. We're, we're thick in the middle of it. So, but a great time to get your church ready for next Holy Week, Holy Week 2020. Right. Um, I'm thinking maybe a nice 80s pop theme. Okay. Oh, okay. For, uh, for you know, what you're saying is other weird Al Yankovic takes yeah. on Easter <laughs> themes. People like people like Easter. Yeah. Numbers right. are up. Yes. Right. People like this music. We got the Spotify streams. Put them together. Peanut butter and jelly. Boom. Right. Right. Well, that's just awful. Right. I don't know if I want to participate in that. <laughs> well, to, to kick it off, an initial offering, um, because Awful is our brand. I mean, Awful yeah. is what we do. Yeah, yeah. I'm about to so, say, if, if Glenn doesn't want to do Awful, this show is not long for this world. So this isn't really Easter-themed, but I think I think children's ministry, puppets, the whole thing. I'm thinking vaguely Prague, and I'm thinking 80s, of course Rush. Sure. Right. And I'm saying wow. the parable of the sower and the seed, but we repurpose the music from Tom Sawyer. Yep. And it's today's yeah. seed sower, and it goes on from there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Kids yeah. love a four-minute drum solo. You just exploded my brain. The, you know what? You're welcome. This, okay. is, this is my gift. This is what well, I do. In, in the, keeping it in the same kind of musical genre and everything, I'm thinking uh, for Easter Sunday, uh, you have the, 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 the whole you know, musical track from, from Cheap Tricks, Gonna raise hell, but you just sing. Gonna raise him. Gonna raise him. Oh yeah, raise him. Excellent. Yes. Okay, that's now, solid. Let me just because I want to supersize this. Please. Okay. I got it in my mind. Okay, so you know how some churches they do the Good Friday service. Yes. Sure. Where they just they ham it up. You know what I mean? Sure. They the. You know the ones fields where, on top of fields on top of fields. You, somebody, you seen the one where the somebody's got to dress up as Jesus and has to carry the cross <laughs> yeah, and the yeah, thing yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's kind of okay. <laughs> so here's what I'm saying is, but you got to do the Easter version of that. Okay. So what you have is your rock soundtrack going in the background, right? You know your your Rush cover song uh, stuff happening here, right? And then you have someone off stage on a microphone. He has risen! Yeah, this kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And lightning bolts and yes. thunder and whatnot. Wow. Laser beams, obviously. Obviously. Well, they're already going. We might as well incorporate them. Fog machine. A giant paper mache rock <laughs> is rolled out. <laughs> Jesus comes out with the electric guitar, you follow me? Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he starts to rock this whole place. Yes. Yes, but what if somebody screws it up and they make the the rock uh, uh, too small, like in the uh, the like spinal tap with the, the spinal tap with the stone exactly only two 12, inches the, tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> the twelve inch stone hinge. It was in danger of being crushed by the youth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it's fantastic. I love it. Um, a couple more uh, song ideas for you. Okay. Down. We're going to keep it in the Holy Week uh, yeah. train. So you know what we have not had a. Uh, Properly represented, I think that was pivotal for this time of music is a lot of great uh, girl bands. Sure, okay, yeah, a lot of uh, great female performers. Um, your go go's and whatnot. Your, your, your go go's. I'm thinking particularly the Bangles. Oh yeah, yeah. The bangles. Okay. just another manic Monday Thursday. Oh, oh dude, wow, dude, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, that's fantastic. I'm yeah. thinking GNR. Take me up. To the Paradise City, maybe? Oh, oh dude! Yeah. There it yes. is. There it is. 
we all love on this show this is an actual true thing we all love some paul simon yeah uh yeah. graceland's a great record uh you can call me el shaddai Oh uh, yeah. wow! That's okay. right. Okay, it's it's Al Shaddai. Yeah, yeah, you know, you, 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 yeah. Put, yeah. twist that phoneme just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The Southern worship leader can carry that off. It's oh, the yeah. same vowel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look, no, none of this, none of this goes anywhere without a little ACDC. So I think we have a little for those about to praise. We salute you. Oh, very yeah. good. Oh, that's yeah. nice. He kicked that off. It's kind of a call to worship. Well, really. I think. Don't you want to do for those about the tithe? Because that's, also good. that's kind of <laughs> where you want yeah, this yeah. to go. Yeah, we got to right? keep the yeah. lights on. Yeah, that's yeah. holy sure. deeds done, not cheap. Mm. There it is. In the spirit of Holy Week, puppets, liturgical drama, Excellent. the whole thing. We all remember, and it's, I mean, it's actually like for real an amazing, beautiful moment. The moment where Mary has come to Jesus's grave, um, and this, and then she sees who she thinks is the gardener, and is, you know, Mary, why do you weep? Mm. And the whole thing. Right. So. In the spirit of the 80s, I'm talking Run DMC. Hello. Of course, the kids love the hip-hop music. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. It's true. So we'll the take, thicker the gold rope chain, the better. This is what yeah. I'm talking about. So, And one of them's Reverend. So right. That's we're already true. Halfway there anyway. Run. So we take their hit, Mary Mary. Right. Ah. We just repurpose it to the telling of this story <laughs> through the medium of rapping puppets. So, so you're saying incredible. the Jesus character, instead, because you only have to really change the music. Yeah. Right, right. Instead of, woman, why are you crying? He yeah. asks, why are you bugging? This right. is exactly yes. what I'm I saying. Like it. Okay. Yes. Like <laughs> That's right, kids. That's what hip hop used to be. <laughs> Here's what I'm saying, people. We got to stop the madness. Okay. Oh. You people drive me crazy with all this nonsense. Really? This is what I'm saying. Oh, what a fun change for you. Then let me tell you what. This is a church. Come on now. Okay. Okay. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you how we're gonna fix it. Okay. Now you people have heard of this gal Marie Kondo, right? Yes. Right. And she has her name because she was born in a condo. Right. Yes. Doesn't sound right. So uh, my wife was on that like way before, like. Years yeah, before well, anyone before was the on. Netflix, she loved this book about the, and she invented a thing called Kumari. Yes, and I pronounce that wrong, but I can't learn the right way, so I call it Kumari. And Jane's always trying to tell me we need the Kumari, and she explained it to me once. But here's the key part: I was not paying attention, mm. <laughs> and so we record these, you know. <laughs> When she, well, she knows this now. But she would, she she would say, we, "We need a Kumari." And I'm like, "Yep, yep." Well, I've come to understand since that what it is is the system where you take things and that you don't want mm. and you just kick them. That is not it. No, you, you kick them into the neighbor's yard, and that's their problem now. <laughs> nope. It, intriguing, but not what. This is that's it. So it's you're thinking it, of Kickmari. It's like you 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 get rid of your junk, right? That, that now have. we're getting closer. So you fix things. Now here's the system that I've figured out through a process of just infer, inferring what my wife might mean when she's okay. talking about these things. You hold things, yes, and if they give you joy, well, you hang on to those. Things. Okay, yes. But if they don't give you joy, you kick them into the neighborhood. They don't spark yard. the you joy. Kick them. You just give them a kick. Right. Well, you could. That's fine. You just kick them away. Okay. <laughs> That's I don't. Well, so See, this. You want to kind of go item by item through the liturgy. Yeah. And come more of the liturgy. That's it. Okay. Uh, and maybe let's go through like the worship team. 
Okay. And just give them a firm embrace. Yeah. And see. You hold it. Yeah. And hold the person. This is already an HR nightmare. Does Ed the Percussionist spark joy? Yeah. And if not. <laughs> and if not. He's gone. <laughs> hey, look. <laughs> you've been kumaried. Kick rocks, buddy. Don't, yeah. Don't, don't kick anyone on the worship team. <laughs> Just so, give him a kick. That's it. You're so out. You want to hug the fog machine. Yeah. And just see to spark joy. Does it spark some joy to you? Well, now let me ask it you does. this. Glenn. Yeah. Yeah. Are you prepared to deal with a reality where you hold the fog machine and it does spark joy? <laughs> sure. Yeah. You got to be open to okay. it. Okay. Okay. You got to be open. Experience. That's the whole thing. You got to hold it. You know, like, because maybe it'll surprise you. You'd be like, you know what? Fog you, machine understands me. This is like. This is some magic stuff. <laughs> I didn't. Th- I I just didn't think this through. You know, I didn't. I had to get up and close and personal with this fog machine to realize. You know what? Yeah, that's right. it. You did it, fog machine. You right. rocked my world. You aren't wildly impractical, totally absurd, and a complete ego trip for somebody. You're you're really helping us worship. Yeah. Thank so you, like fog a, machine. Like a super tight T-shirt. All these things. You pick these yeah. things up. You you take the T-shirt, you hold it up in, in the air, and say, "Does this spark joy for me?" Yes. Yeah. And if not, you give it a kick. Right. That's, that's. I think that's <laughs> wise and as it should be. Yeah. Um. Uh. So I've got a lot of pun '80s song titles with church stuff in them left. Let's do it. So Lee, do you Rapid have any fire. before I rattle these off? I, I, Lee's been killing. I, I, I don't want to follow. Him. All right, I'm here spent, we go, brother. Uh, redeeming love shack. Oh yes. <laughs> um, to the tune, and this—if you did it like as a as a real like a lay Miz kind of play—this could be the big song for a uh, pilot. To the okay. tune of Hadaway's "What Is Love? What Is Truth?" Oh yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, a what little Billy Ocean. Get out of my dreams. Get onto my donkey. Okay. Oh. Okay. okay. Uh, pour some anointing oil on me. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I like that yes. one. Yeah. And, uh, finally, because this this is the, you got to be the most eighties. Okay. I of the line of Judah. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. those are the kind of things that kept me out of the really good schools. <laughs> <laughs> but with that, I think we should call a liturgical and trademark violation emergency off. Um, I'll tell you what always sparks joy, and that's Bridgebox. Oh, oh nice. Uh, I would never kick Bridgebox in my neighbor's yard. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> you would be kicking your own computer. That would be, that would be counterproductive. Look, if you hate Bridgebox that much... <laughs> You can just unsubscribe from the email. Keep paying. Absolutely. By all means, keep paying. Right. Unsubscribe the email. Don't kick your computer. We don't, don't want to do spark that much anger in the people. MissionOSA.com slash Bridgebox. We're still in the month of April. We're still looking at how do I know if I'm making a difference? You got songs, Bible studies, sermons from Glenn and myself, all sorts of great stuff based around that very important question. We're going to move on to our own very important questions. You can sign up at MissionOSA.com slash Bridgebox. We move to our first question. If you have questions for us handle this all the way to the end or you can scroll down into the episode description click the link down there first question comes in anonymously and it says how do you guys approach to ministering to people from other cultures and backgrounds i know it's important but i don't want to make a fool of myself or offend someone and glenn you've been doing this work for quite a little bit at this point so what are some things you would tell someone who is just starting off on trying to do some cross-cultural ministry well it's a great question and the the truth is uh, I was actually talking to uh, uh, Jen and Amanda from our ministry about this very thing. Uh, they do amazing work with the women, and part of what I was talking with them about is that there is sort of the myth that if you are good at ministry, you'll be good anywhere you go with it, and that's actually not true, that you have to understand 
the environment that you're ministering in, you know, the background of the people, what they're going through, and all. There are going to be certain things that will apply, but you do need to take the time to learn those things. Here's your, here's your big, big clue on this. Present yourself as you don't have any idea right. on any of it. I am. If it's a teen conference of teens, you say, hey, I'm old. I don't know anything. I don't even understand. I don't know what woke is. I'm, I just, I woke from a nap. Am I close? I don't know. <laughs> you, you start with ignorance and you keep ignorance front and center. The temptation to present yourself as, hey, I get it, man. Hello, fellow kids. You, you are going <laughs> to embarrass yourself. It's going to go wrong right away. Here's the oh, other. Oh, so pro- many skateboard injuries amongst the youth masters. <laughs> yeah. Here's, here's the other thing that's going to go wrong with that is that when you do something offensive to that culture, which inevitably will happen, they'll think you did it on purpose. Yeah, because you, you, you told us you knew better. You said you knew. If you come out there with, hey, I don't know what is what, and then you do something to mess that up, they'll assume that that's the ignorance that you've been putting out on Front Street, not something intentional, and that's important. Uh the only way to move forward on this is to ask questions and listen. The yeah. more questions you can ask, the better. Give me a good example. Um, I was asked to speak at a uh, uh, a campus ministry uh, in a college uh, that's here locally in Chicago. Went in, and these kids, I let me just I say the kids are young adults. They were absolutely, I mean, they were just, they looked like somebody just shot their dog. A second before I walked in the room, just every one of them, I could not figure out. Like it was just throwing me off. I'm not used to this with college age kids, and they were just, uh, man. I was like, hey, man, uh, you know, hey, hey, how we doing? And it was just eh, terrible. Man. Are you ready to laugh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just, it was, it was a. I don't know if you've seen the the SNL thing with the Debbie Downer. It yeah. was this was was that. So um, I did that and bombed. Just absolutely bond. Well, okay, I'm coming out of that, and I'm having a conversation with Jed about it, and Jed's familiar with the school, and he's describing to me that some of the people going to school, so they, may, they may feel negatively towards themselves, and playing back different things they said, the way they reacted to what I was talking to, and I was like, man, that really actually fits. So going back in there, I had an entirely different impression the next time they came and asked me to speak again. This time I'm like, hey, you know what? You guys are, are are walking with the Lord. The Lord is pleased with that. You're doing good. I, you know, this is all heading in the right direction. Let's build on where you're at. Let's take this and and keep moving in a positive direction, and just starting slow and letting that build. And it was a way way better. But I had to listen to Jed explain that to me, or mm-hmm. I wouldn't get anywhere. That's the key part. The more I listen, the better off things go. Uh, also, just before we move on to, as we're talking about ministering to people, as you say, from other cultures and backgrounds, do you know how to minister to people in your culture, in your background? Because ninety-five percent of the people who ask me that question don't know how to minister to their own unchurched people in their own community. Uh, that is the other culture they don't know how to reach. So, 
uh, whether they're unchurched and of the same culture or unchurched of a different kind of uh, culture, uh, the reality is a lot of us are part of a church culture and everything else is foreign culture. Uh, so if, if that's the case for you, it's important to realize this isn't trying to translate something you know into something that you don't know. It's really starting from scratch, and there's nothing wrong with starting from scratch. So let's take yeah. that as a positive. Uh, we'd love to help you uh, deal with that. Last little thing, and this is a very quick tip. Humility is always taken as a sign of godliness. It's just, that's the thing. I'm not talking about fronting off and showing off your humility. That's false humility. That's not humility. That's that's bad stuff, and people will pick up on that. Did you guys see my humility medal? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Being actually humble... People see that, and they say that's godliness. Here's what people never think is godliness. Sincerity and earnestness that I just rub in your face with how earnest I am. Mm, that is such a good word, Glenn. Yeah, we just... Mm, <laughs> today, right now, we just, Lord... Mm, we're just so thankful today in this moment. We, we use the word just a whole lot, because mm. it's so sincere. That's not, that's not impressing when anyone. That's not getting it done. Be humble. Put it out there. I'm here to learn about what you are going through. Uh, I know the gospel part, and I can communicate that, but I want to learn where you're at. That's a really fantastic place to start off. And again, coming from a position of someone who's been doing this for a long time, so if anyone could accurately present themselves as an expert in you know Chicago gang stuff, It'd be Glenn, and I've been with him in those situations where he says, oh, I don't know anything about gang. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Why don't you you tell me about that? And that's definitely the way to go. So, Jed, with that in mind, let me just pick us up there, because Glenn mentioned, uh, you know, and something we talk about on the show quite often is getting some advice from people who are already doing this. Yeah. But if our goal in that isn't to be an expert as we go in, which we know is a bad goal, it's still an important thing to do. But what should we be trying to get out of that when we look to someone who's doing what we want to do? It's a great question. But we definitely, if it's at all a possibility for you, and sometimes it's not, to be clear, but if it's at all a possibility for you, you'd be really benefited to find someone who's already doing the kind of work you would like to be doing with the culture you would like to be doing it with and learn from them. And um, you want, as Glenn is already saying, you want to present yourself to that person saying, I know nothing. I am prepared to learn, I'm prepared to, to follow, but I, I know nothing, so, so teach me your ways. And what that person will probably do, and, and the thing that we certainly want to start with is, what are the major no-nos that I should know to avoid? Right. What, what are the things that will definitely for sure cause a problem? As we would put it, what will get me stabbed? Exactly right, exactly right. It's hard to do good ministry if you've been stabbed. I think one of the things that is important to know, and this actually relates to a question in our last episode that dealt with the idea of expectations, is... Um, it's easy when we get into spiritual stuff to have um, expectations that are just not grounded in reality. And, you know, if you were needing to learn uh, another language in order to do ministry, you would recognize no one's ever going to confuse me for a native speaker. Right. I mean, um, maybe if I did nothing but focus on this for the next 20 years, I might get there, but that would be a best case scenario, and that's the fastest that would ever happen. Well, it's a similar thing with learning the ins and outs and intricacies of another culture. I mean, no one is ever going to mistake you, most likely, as a person who grew up in that culture, and that's okay. We we actually don't need to have that. What, what we need to have is 
enough um, understanding where as an outsider, we can still have enough acceptance that people are willing to listen and willing to deal with us. And if we embrace that humility saying, I know nothing, I'm here to learn, you know, people can be very cool about that and very patient about that. But again, the, the thing that Christians so often get in trouble with is they want to jump in and be an immediate expert, which we know is actually not possible. Like if we leave the spiritual stuff out, you know that it can't work that way. So let, let go of that expectation. The other thing that I would encourage you to look at, um, because it's something that you definitely can do, but you'll, you'll need to just fire on it. Two things, really. The first is, I think it's good to learn how to talk to people from the culture that you're targeting about non-spiritual stuff, too. Yeah. Just uh, food and music and family and the weather and sports, anything and everything. Um you learn a lot about people and a people group and a culture by um, discussing a diverse set of topics. Um, and you build a sense of rapport and you, and you build an understanding both with those specific people, but also more broadly of, of what is the currency of this culture? I mean, these are the kind of questions that we ask when we're trying to figure things out. The one other thing that I would encourage you to look at is no matter what culture you're looking at, one of the things that is prized by almost Every culture is hospitality. It's a super, super important thing. And here's the key thing is if you've grown up in a suburban context, in a suburban culture, and not everyone who listens to this show has, but if you have, you probably think you're better at hospitality than you are. Um, And this is really important to know. Suburban culture does a really bad job of hospitality compared to most of, to most cultures in most of the world. I mean, like a really epically bad job. And so, I think one of the things that's before you is is embracing that there are certain things that you're going to really, really need to do, uh, and I know Lee's going to talk about respect in a moment, and that's the other one on this list, where um, it would be easy to think, well, I basically got that down. Well, just as you're admitting, I don't really know anything about this culture, I'd encourage you to, to go back and say, I may have some things I think I know that I really don't. I, I may not be nearly as good at hospitality as I think I am. I may not be nearly as good at respect as I think I am. I can grow in those things. I can learn, and I can learn how to express them better in this culture that I'm, that I'm dealing with. But one of the problems that can occur is when we assume we are good at something, um, mm. when it maybe we're not as good at it as we think we are. And again, if you're coming from a suburban context, I would always double check your ideas of hospitality uh, versus the culture that you're dealing with. That's a fantastic point. And uh, Lee, I'll go to you because as as Jed mentioned, the other essential ingredient in all this stuff is respect, which is another thing that if you grew up in the suburbs of uh, particularly in America, you're probably not as familiar with as you think you are. So where do we go? If we're going to build the concept of respect from the ground up in a multicultural context. What does that look like? Yeah. Respect is a huge deal. Um, especially, you know, like as Jed's saying, growing up in, in, uh, you know, suburban culture, there's just, we have kind of no sense of deference of like who you show deference to the way that you show, like I am in, in this conversation, I'm putting myself under you. I'm asking for your help. The way that the Glenn was talking about humility, the way that Jed's talking about hospitality, all these things are things that are just that they are absent in, in our normal culture. So, you know, the, the way that a lot of, a lot of kids grow up in suburban culture is they just talk to adults like a peer. You know, they talk to a teacher or a coach like a peer. And 
in certain cultures, that would be a, like a gigantic, gigantic no-no. And so you come in on that learning tip, as these guys are talking about, that I don't know what's going on here. There are certain things that communicate to certain cultures. Um, I respect you, and I am trying to learn how to communicate in a way that makes you feel um, that I, I'm trying to move into your world. I'm trying to, I'm trying to be, a, you know, I'm trying to participate in your culture, the the way that you understand the, you know, how conversations should be done, how hangouts should be, and all that kind of stuff. And there is a lot of watch and learn, exactly as these guys are talking about. You want to learn what the no nos are, and you want to major on being, uh, you know, more deferential and more respectful than you think you should be to start out with. Let somebody raise you out of that level. There's a there's an example, um this is this is kind of a interesting example just linguistically. Um you know, in I'm you know, I'm trying to reach out to uh the Latino culture in my town and part of that process has been just kind of trying to learn Spanish. Exactly as Jed's talking about. I'm never going to pass for a native speaker. But man, when when you're a white guy trying to learn Spanish in the South in America, People that speak Spanish are like, dude, thank you for working on my language. Like, what are you, what's even happening right now? This white guy's trying to speak my language. And there's a, there's a form that you speak in where you always assume that we're going to use the formal tone, which is like, when I'm speaking to you, I'm going to use what's called the usted form. And then you let somebody else in that culture graduate you out to what they call the two form. The usted is the real formal, and the two is the, the the casual, relaxed, informal version of that. You don't assume that you can talk to each other on the two. You start with the usted, and you let them graduate you out of that. And so the respect and showing deference is a huge part of this. Within all of this stuff, if you're trying to learn how people speak, you're trying to learn how people talk to each other, how they greet each other, the different mannerisms and and, and mores and all that kind of stuff, you also just want to be yourself. And and Glenn talked about this at the very beginning. It's a super important thing. You know, that if you're the if you're the old guy and you don't know the terminology and stuff like that, you still want to be yourself even as you're trying to learn how to talk to people. You still want to you still want to be that guy. Uh as a as a kind of example on some of this stuff with the respect, the humility, the learning, the the moving into the world of another person. Um I want to step out of the the cross cultural ministry just for a second as an example. I was I was uh, leading kind of a small group of some college guys. Um, well, they were in high school at the time that we first started meeting, and it became obvious very quickly that they were the worst human beings who had ever lived when they tried to talk to the females of their uh, of their uh, you know of of the human the human race. They were the most disrespectful, the most horrendously awful at approaching females, talking to them, at being friends with them, at dating them, all of these things. And so we devised, we realized that the whole Bible study was going to have to change and we were going to have to have a seminar on how to not be a schmuck with women. Hmm. And, um, and so we went through the seminar and one of the things that turned out was, and, and it was one of those conversations that we just had to have. It's like, hey, the way that you guys talk to each other you talk to each other like you hate each other. And this was like a lightning rod. It was like, what do you mean? It's like, well, you all act like a bunch of jerk faces. And the reason that you you don't show any respect to anybody that you talk to, and so you're not going to be respectful to women because you don't show respect when you open the face hole 
that you speak with. And so you're going to have to learn a whole new thing of how not to be a jerk face type person. And then when you actually get into a relationship with a girl, which would be an all out miracle at this point, you're going to have to learn that there are things that she likes that you don't currently like, and that you're going to have to learn how to talk about those things. You're going to have to learn how to ask her how she's doing. You're going to have to learn how to move into her world and not just live in your own brain space and think everything else is boring. Now, all of that is related to this conversation about ministering to somebody in a cross-culture because it's, it's exactly where Glenn started off where I don't know what I don't know. And so I've got to find somebody, as Jed's talking about, somebody that's been doing this before, somebody that is part of that world that can tell me what are the things in me that I don't even see in myself anymore where I come across as a jerk face type person, where I come across as disrespectful. Even if I don't, even if I'm I don't disrespect this person, what am I doing that's communicating disrespect? If I'm open to hearing those things, if I'm open to growing and learning, then I can start to learn how to to come across with deference, with respect, and start to learn how to speak to somebody in their own terminology, still being myself, and I can start to move into their world. And that is obviously the ultimate goal of this is to uh, move into someone's world is Lee very, very well put it there. Now, again, we'll take it all the way back to where Glenn started us. Um, One of the things to me, having probably been the newest person on the podcast you're hearing to to do a lot of this part of my job is understanding is something that comes in levels in the sense of, I am never going to understand what it's like to be an African-American person who grew up in uh, inner city Chicago. I fundamentally cannot understand that it is beyond my understanding because there are so many nuances and so many layers and so many, uh, so much to that reality So this takes us back to the ever unpopular concept of humility, where we have to come in with the idea of, I need to understand enough to make, to communicate what I need to communicate. So I'm breaking down a story about, you know, somebody has a question about, you know, um, the way they're dealing with their family. I need to know what this, um, what this community thinks about respect and family. I don't need to understand every bit of what it's like to be a person in this community but I need to know some basics about what they think about this topic in order not to say something horrifically stupid. The best way to get to learn those things is to ask. And the best way to know when to ask is to start little bit by little bit, as these guys have all pointed out too, and it's a great one. Start having some conversations before you start trying to have opinions. We, we talk in the, um, just in our general ministry training about doing a lot more listening than talking. And that's just good from an emotional standpoint. If you're sitting down counseling someone, I need to know a bit of information and have that understanding as opposed to, as Glenn pointed out, uh, people who may maybe lean a little too, a little harder than we do into the, uh, the wokeness where it's about kind of an emotional understanding and, Oh man, I get it now. Uh, when we're ministering people to other cultures, we're not trying to get it in that way. We're trying to understand something that helps them move on to the next step. Yeah. And in many respects, the culture is the lens through which we're projecting the light of wisdom and, and, and of God. Himself. Yeah. And a basic, as we would say, as we would say, just a plain vanilla gospel. We're not, that's right. We, it's not, Oh, I understand the thing about what you're going through. Now I know the perfect Bible verse unlock it. It's the answers are normally pretty simple. It's putting that in the cultural context that allows someone to receive it. It's less about what we're knowing the right thing to say and knowing how to package this thing so that someone uh, can receive it in the best possible way. 
So uh, I know that sounds like a lot, but again, you have a basic, your, your brain wants to do this. You want, there's a part of you that wants to not get punched. And if you're trying to minister to somebody, if you're trying to reach out, this is one of those places where you got to lean on some, some faith that the Holy Spirit's going to come in, fill in those gaps, help you out, that you have to believe in the person you're reaching out to, that they're going to have a f- higher functioning brain and, um, you know, meet you on some of that stuff. I was telling a, a story to a friend recently of a time uh, Glenn and I went to talk to a group of college kids who were going to come help us out at the bridge. And uh, they were incoming freshmen to a small uh, private Christian university, which is my nice way of saying they were all so very white. Um, and, but they're, they're nice kids. They, they've chosen to, to do this pr- program that's going to bring them into the inner city to do a bunch of service projects. And one of them was coming to the bridge. And we, we get done with our kind of little uh, orientation and we ask, are there any questions? And this 18-year-old white girl, <laughs> bless her heart. And I mean that in the truest non-snarky sense. Because she raised her little hand, and I said, yes, do you have questions? And she said, with all the sincerity in the world, are there any colors we shouldn't (laughs) wear? Which Glenn made a very quick, funny joke about you don't want to be too matchy-matchy. Right. And we were eventually able to describe, because the only thought in my brain was, these are not bulls. Right. right, If you wave a color in front of them, they don't snap. Yeah. So again, that's a, that's where the respect comes in, right? That's a good example of these guys saying respect. If you present yourself as someone humble, it's easy to, that's an easy way to give respect to say to someone, I don't know if this is exactly how you say this, but I think you'll know what I mean. That's how you have a respectful conversation. And Lee, one more thing on this? Yeah, just, it, this kind of goes, well, directly goes back to one of the things Jed said about knowing how to talk about things that are not ministry related. But uh, it, it's funny because we've talked about a lot of heady things with respect and and, and humility and all these big concepts and stuff like that. But uh, just just hang out with somebody, you know. Yup. Just go grab a burger or or you know like go watch a movie together. Uh, do anything. The, the the amazing power of shared experiences cannot be overstated. No doubt. Um, you know, so like go on a walk. Uh, you know, just seriously, just any kind of activity will open the door to all kinds of ministry that you can't imagine. And then on the, you know, the if you can expand that out into, why don't you come over to my house and I'll make, you know, make us some sandwiches or something like that. And then we'll sit on the porch and talk. That kind of stuff that doesn't have, doesn't feel like it has anything to do with ministry will just blow the doors wide open to, to create all kinds of ministry opportunities. And that's right on what Jeb was talking about. But, but shared experiences cannot be overstated. Just some, just some kind of practical stuff. It's like, just, just go hang out with somebody. Yeah, that, that actually is a fantastic pro tip and a great place to wrap this one up. We're moving on to our second question here. It comes in anonymously, and it says, I'm pretty sure my friend is caught up in a pyramid scheme. It's not like it's an evil thing, but I'm pretty sure it's going to end badly for them. How can I tell them without just being a jerk? And this is also a topic we looked at a couple weeks ago on our Bridge Loud radio program, which you can find in podcast form every Friday. But Jed, uh, it's a fine question. And as we, I don't know what your Facebook looks like, but from my Facebook, it's one that's growing as a problem. So uh, what would we say to this? Well, I think first we need to acknowledge that there are a couple conflicting emotional realities. On the one hand, if someone we care about and they're caught up in something that's not a good idea and, and we don't want to see them get hurt or disappointed or let down. On the other hand, we're right and they're wrong. And even better, mm. we're smart 
and they're dumb. Yeah, that feels good. <laughs> oh, that's the uh... best thing in the world. I'm smart and you're not. Yeah. Oh, good. If I've learned one thing from Facebook, that's the highest moral virtue a person can ask for. Yeah. That's it. I'm going to own your entire life with both facts and logic. Buckle <laughs> up. <laughs> so I think now, uh, to be clear, to take the journey that we're describing, you have to admit you're kind of an awful person. But we all are. So I'd encourage you to embrace sure. that. Lean into that reality. But I think there is, again, there's that, there's a bit of that conflict of just, I feel bad for this person because I don't want to see him get hurt and disappointed, but there's also, I'm kind of chuckling up my sleeve at them and I'm feeling a little superior and whatnot. We need to acknowledge all that so that we can set it aside and figure out, is there any way we can help? And if so, how do we do that? Okay. Now, here's the thing that we looked at on the radio show, and it's going to pertain directly to this, is... Almost all scams, and, and that's what pyramid schemes are, it's, it's just a scam. So almost all scams are built on taking advantage of another person's sense of hope. I, I want my life to get better. I want things to improve. I, some part of me is willing to believe they can, and this feels like hope. This feels like a way that could happen. That's, that's, if you talk to professional con men, which we actually do, that's on purpose. That's what they do. That's the whole point. That's the whole thing. Now, with that in mind, it's both mean-spirited and almost has to be counterproductive to go to your friend and say, you were stupid to be hopeful. You're the kind of idiot that would believe in hope like a chump. What did you think? Your life was going to get better? (laughs) Well, I'm here to tell you that's not the case, buddy boy. It never will. It's going to be like this or worse forever. Want to come to church with me, buddy? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So... That leaves us at, it would feel like that leaves us at a bit of an impasse. Because uh, what, well, what do, we, what do we do then? Well, it turns out there is a way forward, but it involves doing something that Christians generally, it's wrong to say they're bad at it, because they don't acknowledge that the following thing could exist or could happen. But it's actually how we move forward on this. And that is to learn to call out the good parts of bad decisions. Let me say that again. Super important. We need to learn to recognize and call out and praise the good parts of bad decisions. There's no such thing as a bad decision that is wholly in every way bad. There's just practically speaking, there's not. Yes, I know you can think of something awful and part of you is tempted to send us an email right now. Don't do that. Don't do that. You know what I mean. In general, 99% of the time, even really dumb decisions, there are good motivations somewhere in there. There are good desires somewhere in there. There's, there's good thoughts somewhere in there. If we want to help people move forward, we need to be able to pick up on what those things are. So in this case, that might look like saying to your friend, dude, I think it's awesome that you want to improve your life. Uh, I think it's awesome that you want to take ownership of your own situation and do something about it and get yourself to a better place. I think that's great. Let's pause for a second. All that's true. I, I, I hope it is anyway. I hope you feel that way about your friend because that, that is where this is coming from from there. They want to make themselves a better life. This isn't going to work. This is not how to do that. But, but they do want to engineer a better life for themselves. They should want that. That is a righteous desire. So it's good to point that out. That's how we earn credibility in this conversation. Make it clear, I'm not just here to crap on you. The second half of that is, I don't know if this particular approach, maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't. Um, 
And I'm super not interested in steak knives for me personally. I'm fully stocked on my steak knife situation. So <laughs> there's that. But <laughs> Um, dude, you know, God forbid, if this approach doesn't work out, here's what I want you to know. I see that desire to improve your life. I think it's awesome. I'm standing with you on whatever comes next. Um, you know, whether that's going back to school, whether that's getting some on the job training, whether that's applying for a promotion, you are the kind of guy who can and should improve his life. Whether this thing works out for you or not, I have some guesses, but whether this thing works out or not, you're that kind of dude. I believe in you and I stand with you in the long term, no matter what happens with this thing. It is a very, very good place to start off. Uh, a lot of good stuff there. Leah, I'd love to get to you here because um, this is a, a situation in which a ministry principle that we talk about a fair amount comes up, which is that it is not enough to be right. Yes, this is going to end badly. They all do. But uh, there may be nothing about you being right at your friend that's going to help them. So how do yeah. we navigate that emotional train for us and maybe even end up on something that will help? Yeah, I think for one thing, and this is this is true of of all four of us, but it, I, I don't give unsolicited advice, and you may not be asked what your opinion is, um, especially with some of the boldness of these uh, campaigns. There's not a whole lot of, hey, I'm thinking about joining this thing. What do you think about that? It's usually just splashed all over your feed and into your direct messages. And will you buy this? And will you buy that? And will you support this thing? And do you want to help me throw a party about this other deal? Um, so that, you know, one of the things is is that like the, the call out conversation of I'm right and you're wrong and I'm smart and you're dumb, that whole thing that, that Jed uh, so clearly painted for us. That conversation doesn't end the way you think it's going to. This this conversation doesn't end with a person going, wow, I've never thought of it that way. You're probably right. I'm going to not do this now. That's just not the way that goes. They've, they're already you know knee-deep in this thing. They've probably signed contracts or whatever the deal is. You're, you're not really going to be able to, to, to have that conversation end the way that you hope it's going to. Um, and, and jumping in when you've not been asked, that's always just, you know, a hot mess. But as, as Jed said so, so well in, in, in his answer, you also are able to say, hey, you know what? I'm good on, on steak knives. I, I don't really need any, you know, more essential oils or what, whatever the thing is. I, I, I just don't need any more stuff. Um, you don't have to buy the things. The, the funny thing about this is, there is a sense in which I am now leveraging our relationship to make this thing go. Like my hope, th- this person's hope is now dependent on our friendship. Um, and, you know, my, my friendship with them means that I'm on the hook to buy their stuff because all of their hope is dependent on that. Well, that's not really fair. And that's not really what you want the basis of your relationship to be. And so you get to determine what the boundaries of your behavior are. You can't really make their decision for them. This conversation may not and probably won't go well if you try to confront them on it without being asked. But at the exact same time, you have the freedom to say, as Jed did, I'm all good on steak knives now. Thanks. Thanks for asking. Um, so this, this is one of those deals where you can look for, you can look for an opening to give kind of that, 
exactly as Jed, I love the way that, that Jed painted this out of, of looking for the good thing in a bad decision. That's an awesome way to talk about this. Um, and, you know, and, and if you, and if somebody asks you, you know, what do you think about this? And do you know if this kind of thing has gone badly for other people, then you can definitely talk about it that way. But, uh, jumping in there without being asked, not going to end the way it's going to, and you have the freedom to not let this thing alter your relationship by being on the hook to buy all their stuff. Yeah. I, I have in essential oils and oh. sales are not going well. It's, it's sort a marketing a, faux pas, really. Sort of a take it or leave it kind of oil. Yeah, it's, it's not going to do much, but you know, they smell nice sometimes. Okay. That's a way to go. A lot of great stuff from Lee there. And Glenn, where would you close us out with this idea? Well, I think uh, the truth isn't pleasant to hear most of the time. That's We have to understand that. So, you know, I think we can twist ourselves in knots trying to say, okay, you know, if I need to share a certain amount of truth with this person— uh, or if they're asking for, as Lee's pointing out, then, you know, uh, it, it, there's not going to be a version of that that's going to be fantastic for this person here. I I love what Jed's saying uh, about the positive. And, uh, you know, in this case, if you, uh, what I see or hear from a lot of these pyramid scheme type of things is the, the scam is about the money, but they're, they're, they're uh, sort of preying on people that that uh, are lacking in a motivation in a way, uh, lacking in believing in themselves in a certain way. And this is like, you're going to do this, and your friends are going to love it, and you're going to do great, and you're going to have it. And there's a lot of motivation and pep and, and, and like, you can do it kind of a thing. Uh, and so I might want to zero in on that, for example, and say, well, look— uh, you know, I understand that you're selling the vitamins and that's great and that you're going to be a distributor and a thing and it's going to be a multi-level. It is a trapezoid of power. And you're right, a trapezoid of power is not a pyramid, but it's also <laughs> kind of, it kind of is shaped like one. So, you know, let's, yeah. Uh, uh, and, but I think you can say, well, look, here's what I'm saying to you. I think it's great that you found the motivation and the drive on this. And I think the part I would get you to ask yourself is, is this the best deal for you? You know, you go to a, a vitamin store and you're like, you, cause you're, you got the, you got, you're pumped up now. You're, you're, you're in the, you have a feel for vitamins, man. Like you take them and you know about them and whatever. And you like researching it. You go to a vitamin store and maybe they put you on a commission sales and you're making real money. And maybe making more money than that. It's a little less entanglement, a less of the, you know, uh, you, you buy a bunch of stuff and then you got to sell it in order to break even, kind of all of that. Uh, so I think it, it, it's looking at the bottom line of that uh, and looking at some of the smaller details of that rather than trying to come with, hey, you know, you, you, you're making a bad decision here. Uh, the other thing is, uh, I think it's important to ask is this friend the kind of person that needs to learn things the hard way? Uh-huh. Wow. I know I know a lot of people, you can't, and I love them, and I don't have a problem with them, and I don't look down on them for it, but they only learn things the hard way. Sure. They cannot onboard any information other than through their own mistakes. Yeah. And uh, most of us are kind of mostly that way, so we can't judge others for being that way. But some people, it's that's a hundred percent of it. 
So what am I going to tell you, my man? You're going to you're going to you're going to bang your head against that wall until you figure it out for yourself anyway. Yeah. So I'd love to save you that, but if it's not going to stop you, what are we even talking about here? So I have to give that kind of feedback to that friend of, look, you don't take advice, my man. I love you. I'm not giving it to you because you're going to do it your way. And I don't have a problem with it, but just, you know, you need to recognize you're asking me to tell you that you're on something schmucky and I don't want to do it. And it's not going to stop you anyway. So no. So, you know, recognize who you are, my brother. Um, I think it, it it the other thing is let's imagine as we're wrapping this up sort of a really extreme version of this if it's maybe more towards sort of a cult level or if it's somebody you you know this is somebody who's wrapped up in this to the point where like you're not my friend if you don't buy my essential oils kind of level uh, of a thing here's the thing is those people uh in sort of that extreme extreme version of this problem uh, are giving you a choice between the friendship and the friend. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the friendship might be put at risk or may be done away with altogether in order to appeal to that friend and say, I love you. No, I don't need steak knives. Also, I don't like this attitude. I don't like the way you're, you're, you're approaching things. I think you're going to hurt other relationships. I know it's going to make you really mad to hear that, but this is an emergency that's different from the stuff that Lee was talking about. And he's absolutely right. You know, the unsolicited advice as for sort of everyday kind of uh, stuff. But if this gets way, way off and sometimes it does with this kind of stuff, if it gets way, way off into emergency territory, uh, recognize that sometimes you have to choose a friend over the friendship. I think it's a, it's a very important point is Glenn points out. It's a tough one to, uh, to stick to, but, and hopefully things don't get that way, but that's, is the, proper course of action if things get that extreme it's not obviously the pyramid scheme so i guess you consider selling drugs a pyramid scheme in a way um but it's actually a, a dynamic we deal with a lot in the guys many when we work with the bridge in the sense of they have something that they are super excited about that we have seen a million times a million other people try and know for a fact this is going to go badly um very rarely does it help to say I have many witnesses that will say this is going to go bad. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of becomes about steering into the skid in some ways. And that looks a lot like as all these guys have talked about of focusing on parts of this. So, you know, it's a this guy who says, I'm going to start my own business and I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And, he's, and we know uh, you don't have any money, no bank with any kind of uh, no bank that's run credibly would give you any money. Uh, you don't have an idea that's all the way there. Uh, so you, we could crap on all those details to try to get them to stop, but as Glenn points out, they're going to do it anyway, and it's going to fall apart anyway. But this takes us all the way back to where Jed started. I think it's such a great point of, is there something in here that's worth encouraging? If the person is doing a, 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 the pyramid scheme, they're selling the essential oils, the steak knives, the vitamins, whatever it is, okay, there's clearly part of them that wants to improve their financial situation. There's part of them that's willing to be a hardworking person that's willing to, you know, salesmanship is not an easy job anyway. It's some, that's something to encourage. If the, if this whole thing is going to fall apart anyway, you don't have to worry about that. Encouraging it will like get them stuck in this thing forever because it's going to fail. 
Yeah. Or they're going to get tired of it. They're going to realize the thing you already know, and they're going to, it's going to fall apart anyway. So there's no problem saying, no, I'm all good on Tupperware there, Susan. But, uh, it seems, it seems like a lot of work to put these parties and things together. So that's, that's really cool. Um, it's a lot, you know, with the logistics and getting people together, those, those are some awesome skills. I bet you could do whatever you want with that. Anyway, please stop emailing me about this because I'm good. <laughs> On the Tupperware. <laughs> but I think I would imagine if you're, again, if you're anything like me, uh, there, there's just some negative emotions that get caught up from seeing this in your Facebook all the stinking time. But it's important to look at what's annoying me. It is not annoying me that my friend wants to do some businessy stuff and make a little money while they're home taking care of their kids or, you know, doing uh, between jobs or wants to add a little something while they're you know doing their day job. That's good. What's crazy is all the posts. That's where you mute someone. That's a beautiful fabric of social media. But it's always worth looking, having eyes to see for something that is worth encouraging and then leaning into encouraging that. And I know it sounds counterproductive. You say, well, I don't want to encourage her to do a thing that's going to fail. But if it's going to fail anyway, find that one thing, lean into that, and uh, it helps you be positive in a bad situation. As all these guys point out, we talked about it on the show, that's going to be someone they want to come to later if they have... They might have the idea for an actual good idea that they're using these same skills for, and you can encourage that, and you're going to be a much better position to do that if you encourage them on the other stuff. All right, we're going to jump to our final question here. It comes in anonymously, and it says, how can I deal with my emotions in a healthy way? I always seem to either ignore my emotions or have them be totally out of control. How can I get smarter about my emotions and more godly about them as well? And obviously, a big question and a good one. And Lee, where would we start? This is an awesome question. I love that somebody's putting this out there and saying, I want to get smarter about my emotions. That is such a cool, just a cool attitude about it. Um, you know, for me, uh, I, I kind of lean towards a friend of mine who's a, a licensed professional counselor and, and, uh, and, and talk to her about some of these issues, uh, just because this is, this is the work that they do. Um, um, one of the the things that she runs into a lot are, are people who have grown up in the kind of family culture where they're taught to repress all of their emotions, and so they get to a place where they're they're grown and they don't know what they feel. They they don't know when they feel things, and they don't know that they have emotions. And then all of a sudden, one day, without knowing what happened, they uh, explode and burn everything down. And then it's like I didn't even think I had emotions. Oh, you have lots of them. And so uh, my friend, the licensed professional counselor said, well, what we do in a situation like that is that we encourage a person who has grown up in that type of situation to, uh, to schedule regular breaks during the day to hit pause on whatever activity they're doing, whether that's uh, their, you know, their job or if they're in school or whatever, to hit pause, take a break. And simply do a a personal inventory, a survey of what am I feeling? Um, I didn't think I was feeling anything, but let me ask myself some questions. Have I felt mad in the last hour? Just real simple stuff. Have I felt afraid in the last couple of hours? Have I felt excited? Uh, Just this stuff sounds so super duper basic, but the really cool thing about it is when you schedule times to do a self-survey or self-inventory and you ask yourself these basic questions, then you can kind of telescope out and say, okay, well, what was it that happened that made me feel angry? What was it that happened that made me feel afraid? What was it that happened that made me feel happy or excited or nervous or whatever the things are? 
as you start to write these things down and you start to look at the causes and then you start to telescope it out the other way and look at what are healthy ways to respond to these types of things. Basically, my my friend, the counselor said, after a while, what we're doing is we're raising this person's ability to be aware of the things that they're feeling. Everyone is feeling all kinds of things all of the time. You may not know that you're feeling them because you've been taught to repress them. Um, You may not know what you're feeling because you just weren't in a house where people talked about the way that they felt. Um, But if you you do something very practical like this, uh, taking, taking time, scheduled breaks for just to raise my awareness... What have I been feeling today? What happened to to bring that on? And now how do I respond to that in a healthy way? After a couple of months of having, you know, daily reps like that, you actually become a person who's quite comfortable understanding what you're feeling at any given moment when it actually happens. And you have some tools in your belt to understand maybe what led to this and what would be some healthy responses. That's a real practical way to start, but to really just grab like a little journal or set up a note in your phone... Uh, set up an alarm, and then just ask yourself the question, what am I feeling? What predicated that feeling? And what would be a healthy way to respond? It's a good way to grow in your awareness. And exactly as you said in the question, become smarter about dealing with the emotions that you're feeling. An excellent place to start that off. And Jed, I'd love to get you here because I think comboing uh, exactly what Lee has been talking about there with identifying what happened mm-hmm. is very important. That debrief thing we talk about all the time. It's great to have a counselor, a pastor, a friend do that with, but it's also something you can definitely do, get started with on your own, be that journaling, be that just kind of thing with your stuff. But let's take the other side of that and look at uh, preventative, kind of when things are about to happen. What do we do on that? Tip? Well, I think we, if we can begin to see some patterns, as Lee is saying, if we, if we can see some kind of causal links of, you know, I go to this place, then I feel angry. Um, and that's happened the last three times that I've gone to this place. Well, yeah, in a perfect world, we say, well, I just won't go to that place anymore. And then, you know, I won't feel angry. And sometimes we can do that. Sometimes we can't. But I think part of what we can do is we can begin to plan ahead for an emotional state that we will have in the future, right? I have relatives that I, I dearly love who I find exhausting to be around. I will be exhausted. I will feel emotionally exhausted as a result of interacting with them. Yeah. Now, I have a few options. One is I can say, well, I don't want to feel that way, so I just want to interact with them. And sometimes that's the right call, but, but not always. Um, the thing that's definitely not the right call is, pretend, is to pretend that I don't know that and just ignore it. Um, you know, to pretend I, I'm not aware that this is emotionally exhausting will probably be fine. That, that's a bad idea. The, the other thing we could do, though, which is the really good idea, is to say... Given that interacting with them will lead to me feeling emotionally exhausted, what are we going to do about that? How do we plan around that? So a few things just off the cuff, right? One is to say, I'm I'm not going to never see them, but I am going to limit exposure. There's an amount of emotional drain I can handle, and there's an amount I can't. Maybe a couple hours and and it's a visit and we have dinner and we catch up and then we go our separate ways. Maybe that's completely handleable. Maybe a 24-hour overnight is completely handleable. But at a certain point, this is starting to get me into a place where it's tempting me to go to a bad place with my own emotions. 
So I want to plan to not exceed those limits. There's, there's, in a sense, there's a safe amount of emotional exhaustion I can take on from interacting with them. I'm not going to exceed that. What, whatever that limit is, I'm going to, um, uh, um, I'm, I'm going to have that in place. Then the next half is saying, okay, if I'm going to interact with them for for a time that I can handle, but it it is going to lead to me feeling emotionally exhausted. What am I doing on the other side of that that's going to help to counteract that? Just as Lee is talking about taking emotional inventories throughout the day and and beginning to find some linkages, we want to do that for the negative stuff, but it's actually good to do that for the positive stuff too. Mm. If I'm feeling peaceful and relaxed, what led to that? You know, maybe when I take a walk out in the sunshine, it just helps me feel a little bit better about life. Okay, cool, great. Maybe I curl up with a good book and that helps me feel a little bit better about life. So what I know now is I need to limit the time with these people so that I don't get overly emotionally exhausted. And I need to plan that having done that, it's time for a walk or curling up with the book or whatever my whatever my thing is that puts gas back in those tanks. But again, this all builds on what Lee is saying. The more that we can become aware of our emotional states and what led to them and the degrees to which we are having them, that anger is not, for example, an on or off thing. I'm not either angry or not angry. There's a million shades in between of of degree of anger. And the more precise I can get with how I'm feeling and what got me there, the better I can plan ahead a strategy that will keep things in a healthy place and allow me to bounce back more readily. I think that is a very, very good uh, addition where Lee started us off and kind of come with that from both directions. And Glenn, I think to, to take a more kind of zoom out look at this, uh, kind of like we talked about with some other things on the show here tonight, um, when you are having trouble with your emotions, when they can seem like something that's out of control, um, it makes sense that to just not want to look at them. We were talking about um, kind of uh, not being able to forgive yourself on the last show and how when you feel that guilt, the last thing you want to do is look more at the thing that made you feel guilty, but that's really the path forward. And I wonder if it isn't the same way with emotions. Kind of, It can feel kind of too to say, but the thing that is the problem is the part we need to dive into. So yeah. how do we do that? Well, I... For me, I I don't know if everyone else uh, has the same thing, but when I'm in an emotional place, the the toughest part about that is I'm generally experiencing about 12 or 14 or 37 emotions at the same time. Yep. <laughs> and they are all setting each other off. So what's <laughs> what's what's going on in my brain is everything's tangled in a knot. And, uh, you know, kind of as Lee is describing, you, you're almost to the point of overload to your, the point where you're shut down kind of thing. You're almost benumbed by the, 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 the craziness of it. So I'm going to dive in. I'm going to face all that. Zero denial. I'm not looking to deny anything. I, sometimes I have to say, I'm not going to have any feelings about this now because I, I don't have time. But later tonight, I'm going to go and dig into this, whatever that is. Um, so I may schedule it, but I'm not going to deny it. That's that's never the way forward. So I'm going to face it. Then the next thing I want to do is express it. So as Lee's saying, I can write that down. I can talk to a counselor. Or I can talk to a friend. 
I can, you know, talk to the, the guy in my Uber that's driving me somewhere. It doesn't matter. I'm expressing that, but the, re- the reason why I'm expressing it is to untangle those feelings so I can sort them so that I can kind of chart them and I can, you know, I can write it down. I can have a map of what they're all doing and, and what have you. Then the, the reason why I'm doing that is then I want to give that to the Lord. I, I can't give up to the Lord something that I don't even know what it is, you know. So I have to sort through what, what is this and what's going on with it. But it's important to recognize that this isn't a process of taking my feelings and feeling them as much as I can. That's not what we're doing. We're working through them. We're expressing them. We're being in touch with them. We're not judging them. We're not denying them. We're not repressing them. We're moving through them. We're trying to understand the process that's going on here. And, and that understanding, of course, is, is the opposite of, of judging ourselves. But that's because I'm embracing a few realities about emotions. One is they don't help. And it's hard to get that fixed in your mind because it, you know, when I'm angry, it feels like it's, uh, when I'm angry about something, it feels like it's giving me great motivation to change things. You know, it's also making me totally stupid about what I'm about to do. So anger's not helping me. You know, if it's uh, frustration, I say, ah, you know, this frustration is building up in me. I just, I'm going to, I'm going to go and uh, do something about this or whatever it is. Uh, emotions uh, don't help anything. They they don't assist us in any way. It, but we we try and use them to navigate. I you know I someone said so and so to me, and I have to sit here and poll my emotions. I have to question them and query what are my emotions. Uh, you know, so you get all your emotions, you gather them around, you say, okay, emotions, what do we think here? That's that's a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. They are not going to help you. They're going to send you in 500 different directions at once, and that's how you get all tangled up, and that's where, not where we're going. So they're, they're, that is a process of chaos and confusion. That's what emotions brings to the table. So we're going to counteract that by, again, not judging them, but processing them, working through them, cataloging them, and then giving those things up to the Lord uh, as we work them out, as we understand them. Here's another big thing. Emotions don't give meaning to life. It really just doesn't. It, you, we have that sense of if I, I was talking to my wife today, you know, about some stuff that's making me sad and uh, problems that friends of mine have. And it's, uh, you know, I'm sitting here saying, well, if I'm not sad about it, doesn't that mean I kind of don't care? Uh, and and you, you look at the other side of that and you say, well, me being sad about it doesn't make their life better or something like that. It's not what it's, you know, and it doesn't make my life or their life more meaningful because I have more emotions about it. It's more important that I act to help this person in some sort of way. Me sitting here having emotions about this is doing nothing. Uh, so it's hard to see that in the moment. Emotions give us so much uh, 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 passion and energy, they take so much focus, it feels like it's adding meaning and giving color to my world, and it's really, really not. It's getting us out of life. It's getting us in confusion and chaos. Uh, if we look at virtues like peace, virtues like joy, uh, virtues like uh, 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 hope, for example, these things give us life. They give us life. They give it to us more abundantly. They give it meaning. They give it purpose. 
And those virtues are what we want to cultivate. Emotions drain us. They tire us. They exhaust us. Yes, we've all had the, the, the rage where we just were high on it. We've all had the, 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 the jealousy that was just so strong, we felt like we would never get out from underneath it. We've, we've all experienced those really powerful emotions, and they, they seem to give us sort of this spice of life, but they're, they're, they're draining us, they're costing us, they're confusing us. They're, they're taking us away from the deeper things that hope and joy and peace and patience and kindness and self-control can give us, all those virtues that God wants to give us. Yeah, it's absolutely right. All these guys pointed it out, but I'll just hang a light on it to make sure uh, we're being clear. And our friend of the question says, I always seem to either ignore my emotions or have them be totally out of control. Um, saying I either ignore my emotions or I'm consumed by them, as all these guys have pointed out, those are not too opposite strategies, that's the same thing. That is a cycle. What we're talking about is a different strategy from that, which is dealing with them as they come and working through them. Um, as has been said, you're going to pay the piper on emotions. You can put it off for a while and then try to cram it all in at once. Doesn't seem to go very well. It's a lot better, as these guys are saying, to kind of take them up as it comes. But you not only does that help you get more in tune with those virtues as Let's talk about it's also one of those things where you're going to need pretty much all of those to deal with emotions in a way that is constructive, but that is what God wants for you and what we want for you. If you have a question, okay, if you have a question for us, say at podcast, gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com, where you can scroll down into the episode description to find those links. Chat with Lee's song this week. Ooh. This is from our April edition of hey. Bridgebox. This is Lee's latest song called The Next Foot. Take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Let's say that podcast. We're going to hold each other this week to see if anyone sparks joy. So far, no sparks with Jed. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm going to put the next foot in front of the last. I'm going to follow your word. I'm going to forget the past. I'm going to put the next foot in front of the last. I'm going to follow your word. I'm going to forget the past. I can't control the dice that I roll. But I can put the next foot in front of the last I'm gonna follow your word, I'm gonna forget the past You're calling me to follow where you lead To walk your steps and imitate your heart You're asking me to be your hands and feet But there's no guarantees before I start So I can put the next foot in front of the last I'm gonna follow your word, I'm gonna forget the past I'm gonna put the next foot in front of the last I'm gonna follow your word, I'm gonna forget the past I can't control the dice that I roll But I can put the next foot in front of the last I'm gonna follow your word, I'm gonna forget the past Well, I don't know which way this story ends Sometimes it feels like it has all gone wrong But I trust you enough to just begin
can put the next foot in front of the last I'm gonna follow your word, I'm gonna forget the past Press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus